Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they are played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. If our guest gets it wrong on the show, then I'll explain how you can enter to win a fabulous prize package. Listen closely. Good luck. Hear everything that happened on that date. We'll do it in two and two. Welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, a trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Xavier Host, and today we are back with our next single-player edition of the show that we call The Home Game. This alternative format of the show gives you a chance to play at home, with a friend, or by yourself, as well as giving you your fix of Gen X trivia in between regular episodes of the show. Here's how we play. Each episode, we invite a special guest and let them set the benchmark score for you to try and beat. Each round has a different game for you to try out, and in the end, you can compare your score with that of our special guest benchmark and earn your rank on the quiz. Our special guest this episode is a talented singer and musician. You can find his talents at adamfitz.bandcamp.com. Please welcome to the show, Adam Fitz. Hey, Zave. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for being here, Adam. Thanks for having me. Adam, say hello to our listeners. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Please include what generation you're from and how you feel about setting the benchmark score for the episode. Wonderful. So my name is Adam Fitz. I live outside of Pittsburgh. I play music and write songs and intrigued with all things arts and culture. I consider myself to be of an Xennial. So Generation X, but in born in 1979, I think there's a uh, this Goldilocks generation of 78 to 82 where we uh, I still I had a pager and had an answering machine, but I also had some email in late high school. Right, you were the early adopters to technology from our generation. That's correct. I don't, I don't believe in retiring from a job. You know, that's what the millennials <laughs> do. They, they move around a lot. So right. <laughs> I feel like I was on the cutting edge of that. Is that fair? I think so. I think so. All right. I'm excited about being the benchmark, and um, I hope that nobody can beat my score. Well, we'll see, buddy. Adam and I were both contestants together on a podcast called Stuff I Never Knew Game Show Podcast. It's a really fun podcast that I encourage all of you to check out. It's hosted by a friend of the show, Jeff Revila. I know what those of you who are listening are thinking right now. Who won the game that you both played against one another? And I don't think it's really that important of a fact to share about who won or who lost. I mean, isn't life so much more about than winning and losing? Life is just too short to lose sleep thinking about who beat who in a game of trivia. Besides, who keeps tracks of such trivial things? It's not like this episode is really some sort of thinly veiled ploy to get such childish revenge on Adam for making one look like a fool for getting beat so badly on a trivia game show that is on the 11th largest cable network on the East Coast. These go to 11. No, it's just, just about celebrating and saving the pop culture of Generation X from being forgotten. I guarantee that there is no ulterior motive in effect here. 
and that this game is in no way a setup for Adam to flame out here on the show just to satisfy an immature impulse for vengeance. But there's something very poetic about a tailspin. <laughs> so listeners, let's see if you can outscore this highly knowledgeable Gen Xer or Xennial, if you will. Or if you need to go back and refresh your memory of the cool stuff of your youth. In the opening of this episode, you heard five quick clips from Generation X. The game is called The Power Struggle. And in this game, you needed to name those five clips in the order that they are played. If you get all five correct and in the correct order, you will be bumped up an entire letter grade and rank at the end of the quiz. Think of it sort of as an extra credit question to help you out with your score. There's no penalty if you get it wrong. But if our special guest gets it wrong here in the show then we are going to open it up to all of you listening to contact the show and see if you can get it correct. All correct entries to contact the podcast via our newsletter who can correctly identify the clips in the correct order will be put into a drawing to win the prize package from the show. So stick around to see if Adam can get the power struggle question correct or not. Then I'll explain how you can send in your entry and try and win it. Good luck. You know, Adam, as Gen Xers, we have all experienced moments in our lives where we just don't want to deal with other people's crap. In those moments, we sometimes throw up our hands and roll our eyes and say, whatever. Whatever. To honor this time-love tradition of Generation X, if at some point during this episode that you feel apathetic about answering a question, you can use your whatever lifeline and appeal our live studio audience that we have here tonight and ask them to give you a clue that could help you answer the question. So, live studio audience. Be ready to give Adam a clue should he ask for it, and we'll see if our audience is indeed clueless or not. Whatever. Adam, you only get one whatever lifeline, so use it wisely. There are a whopping 30 points available in this episode, the most we've ever offered on the home game. So everyone keep track of your score, especially you live studio audience, and we'll let you know how well you did versus our special guest benchmark at the end of the episode. Enough talk. So that's enough chatting about it. Let's do it. It's time to see if you can save Generation X from fading into oblivion. Round one. Round one is our trivia round. Each complete correct answer is worth two points. If you think you could convince the judges into giving you partial credit for your answer, then you can award yourself one pity point for a partial correct answer. We'll use the honor system here. Good luck. Adam, this question is called charge a dollar more an hour when it's the Andersons. It is a movie question. Acclaimed director Chris Columbus is known for the Home Alone movies, Mrs. Doubtfire, and for our millennial listeners, the first two Harry Potter movies. But his directorial debut, Adventures in Babysitting, is a quintessential Gen X movie. In this classic, Chris Parker finds herself facing an uneventful night of babysitting in suburban Illinois when her evening takes a turn for the weird and she finds herself headed to downtown Chicago with three kids in tow. The question is this, why does Chris leave the home where she's babysitting? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, she finds out her boyfriend is cheating on her and goes to find and confront him? Is it B, one of the kids she is babysitting has a friend over without permission and she has to get him back to the home on the south side of Chicago? C, her friend calls from a downtown bus station begging to be picked up? Or is it D, she doesn't want to miss her exciting first gig as a blues club singer and brings the kids along as backup singers? All right, Zabe. This one I know for sure is C. That's correct. Well done. I like the way that you use all of the different subplots in there as, as a teaser. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, trying to throw whatever curves you can. Yes, you're correct. C, she leaves planning for a quick trip to the city to pick up her friend Brenda and make it back before anyone is the wiser. A flat tire, some bad luck, and a visit from Thor turned the night into a full-blown adventure in babysitting. Indeed, it's a good thing she could at least sing the blues. If you don't mind, we just like to let ourselves off Nobody the gets out of this place without singing the blues. What? Nobody leave this place without singing the blues. Well done. You're on the board. This next question is called, I carried a watermelon. 
is also a movie question. Dirty Dancing is one of the most iconic movies to come out of Generation X. The phrase, nobody puts baby in a corner, and the climactic lift to the song, I've had the time of my life, have a permanent place in the zeitgeist. And you don't have to have seen the movie even to get those references today. But that's no reason to deprive yourself of this epic love story between Johnny and Baby during her family stay at the Kellerman's Resort in the Catskills. While the movie is sexy and romantic, the movie also explores the issues of classism, sexism, and even abortion. Progressive issues for 1987 when the movie premiered, but even more so for the year the movie is set in. The question is, what year is Dirty Dancing set at? This is also a multiple choice. Is it A, 1963? B, 1965? C, 1967? Or is it D, 1969? 69, dudes! Nice. I'm going to go with A. 1963 is correct as well. Great job, Adam. I, I figured it was it was pre-Beatles or, you know, like the, the, the culture hadn't shifted yet, right? Right. Well done. Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze already had personal issues leading into the film, having not gotten along on the set of Red Dawn. Swayze himself went to convince Grey to accept the role, and after a successful screen test, she agreed. But it wasn't long before tensions grew between the co-stars once again, and arguments on set began. On these occasions, producers would force the two to sit down together and rewatch their screen tests that showed their breathtaking chemistry, which would always lead to the two making up, getting back to work, and indeed having the time of their lives. Like many things from Gen X, the phrase, I carried a watermelon, has been repurposed by other generations to mean something completely different and dirty. Leave our phrases alone, Urban Dictionary. I carried a watermelon. Carried a watermelon. This next question is called, Sit on it. Sit on it, Adam. Hey! It's a TV question. Happy Days is one of the most important sitcoms to come out of American television, let alone Generation X. This show inspired spinoffs, created iconic characters and catchphrases, and launched careers that are still relevant in Hollywood today. A young Ron Howard was cast as Richie Cunningham, the show's main protagonist, and he starred alongside Anson Williams, Donnie Most, and the great Henry Winkler for the first seven seasons of the show's 11-season run. These go to 11. When he decided to leave the show to focus on his new directing career, Happy Days wrote Richie out and began to lean harder on Henry Winkler and his character, The Fonz, to drive the show. Here's the question. How was Richie written, Richie written, that's hard to say. How was Richie written out of the show when Ron Howard left at the end of season seven? This is also a multiple choice. Is it A, he joined the army and was stationed in Greenland? B, he fulfilled his journalism aspirations as Scoop Cunningham and joined the Milwaukee Journal newspaper? Is it C, he left to pursue a Hollywood career as a screenwriter? Or is it D, Mork for Mork uses alien powers to transmute Richie into a shark, the very same shark that Fonzie jumped over in that very famous episode. I want it to be D so bad. <laughs> I want it to be D so bad. I I think I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to go with, with Scoop Cunningham, B. B is incorrect. I'm sorry. That's your first uh, missed answer, Adam. You're on a great roll there. The answer is A, he joined the army and was stationed in Greenland. I really we, wanted to be the shark. I think we all did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the fun fact. Richie joins the army between seasons seven and eight, but does marry his girlfriend, Lori Beth, over the phone from Greenland in season eight. Ron Howard returned for a few guest appearances during this final season of the show. This was not Howard's final acting role, nor was it his first 
Howard's acting career started as a child when he played Opie on the Andy Griffith show. And later he was in The Music Man, if you remember that. Him appearing in The Music Man was referenced in the episode of Happy Days, where the Cunninghams go to see The Music Man in theaters. When they leave, Mr. and Mrs. Cunningham argue over whether or not the little boy in the movie looked, quote, looked just like Richie when he was little. The boy in question was indeed played by Ron Howard in the version of the music man uh, that the family just saw. Of course, there are worse movies that the Cunninghams could have seen Richie in, as we find out in this David Letterman clip. You know, when I was in co- I, w- I went to USC film school and I really wanted to make independent movies and right. it was hard to get the money to make movies. And I was really starting to think more as a filmmaker than anything else. And Deep Throat was out there and it made like $30 million and it cost like $10,000 to exactly. make the movie. Yeah. And I thought now, Opie gets laid. <laughs> that movie was never made. Okay, here's the last question in the trivia round. It's called, I'm not even supposed to be here today, which is a movie question. Clerks was Kevin Smith's feature length writing and directorial debut. He has since gone on to become an iconic filmmaker, and his success as a filmmaker hinged on the success of his first movie, which he largely financed himself. Here's the question. Which of these was the way that Kevin Smith did not help pay for the movie Clerks? Was it A, he maxed out nearly a dozen of his own credit cards? B, he filmed the movie at a convenience store where he worked at in real life at the time? Is it C, he sold his treasured comic book collection? Or is it D, he saved money on the casting budget by casting himself as Silent Bill. Well, you gave it away by Silent Bill. So I'm going to go with D because it was Silent Bob, right? So that is correct. <laughs> you know, he paid himself. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot of money to pay anybody, frankly. I think they made it for like 20 something thousand dollars or something. Uh, yes, the correct answer is indeed D. Kevin Smith appears in the movie as his iconic character, Silent Bob, as you said. Kevin Smith often refers to his character's name as Silent Bill instead of Silent Bob when he mocks himself. However, Kevin Smith did originally cast himself as the role of Randall, but kept forgetting his lines due to a lack of sleep from the tight shooting schedule. Eventually, he decided that directing, writing, working at the store, and playing one of the leads was a bit too much, so he cast his friend Jeff Anderson in the role instead. The movie is filled with Kevin Smith's buddies, and seeing this collection of friends coming together to make this kind of highbrow art is nothing less than beautiful. Our love for you is ticking clock, Belzerka. That's beautiful, man. Okay, so that's the last regular question. This last one in the round is called Just Sit Right Back and You'll Hear a Tale, which is a head-to-head TV theme song challenge. And this is, this is going to require not only you, Adam, but it's also going to require all of the live studio audience so listen up, live studio audience. This is this is going to involve you. For this question, we will have a head-to-head challenge singing lyrics to one of the most well-known TV theme songs of all time, Gilligan's Island. Adam, you will have to compete with the entire live studio audience taking turns singing the next line to the song, The Ballad of Gilligan's Island. I'll start you off, and then Adam, you will sing the next line, and then we will continue with a new member of our live studio audience to sing the next line. This is going to be tough for you, Adam as we will give the entire studio audience three strikes and you will have none, okay? So the studio can miss three, you can't miss any. If you miss any, you're out and live studio audience wins. Not to worry, however, Adam, you don't get any strikes, but if you get stuck, then you can get three whatever lifelines from my 10-year-old daughter, Jane, who has seen exactly one episode of Gilligan's Island when she was five years old. So if you get stuck, you appeal to her I get, get three of those? You get three of those, yes. Oh, yeah. I'm using every single one. 
This so is where you extract your revenge because you know that I'm a sucker for this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So if you get stuck, just say whatever, and then Jane will sing the next line in your place. And if she's right, it won't cost you a lifeline. But if she's wrong, then that'll cost you one use of your lifeline. Okay, does that make sense? So this will totally balance things out on the challenge and make things fair, I think. So live studio audience, unmute your microphones. And when I call your name, you need to sing the next line of the song. Please remember that you're not allowed to say, I don't know on the show either. And the judges will not hesitate to slime any member of the live studio audience if you say, I don't know. So if you don't know, make something up and make sure it's entertaining. And if it rhymes too, that'd be sweet. So be ready when, I, when it's your turn to sing. This is either going to be a whole lot of fun or a total train wreck. And we're about to find out which one it is right now. I'll sing the first line and then Adam, you sing the next, and then we're going to throw it to the live studio audience. Okay. We have to sing or can we you have to sing it? specifically, Mike? Okay, can we wrap it? You can wrap it. You know, if you want to. All right, here we go. Let's, let's try this out. This, this is going to blow up in my face and be awful. I just know it, but here we go. <clears throat> just sit right back in your hero tale. Tale of a fateful trip. Five golden rings. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jane's laying on the buzzer. I'm sorry, Jeff. That's one strike. Okay, that is incorrect. Jane, what is the correct line that you should have said? Five passengers. Nope, that ain't it either. Wait, I'm confused. This is sort of hard. Though. I know it. That's why this is hard. And this is why this is blown up in my face. Jeff, that is incorrect. So that's one strike for the audience. The correct line is. That started from this traffic port. Traffic port or tropic port. Either one works. Started from the traffic port. <laughs> The traffic port works too. Okay, so Adam, it goes back to you. Adam? Aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man. The skipper, Tyler? brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day. For a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. I, isn't, isn't it supposed to be going in between Adam and the audience? Yeah. Oh, did I mess that up? <laughs> I thought, they, I thought we were going in a row. I, I, thought, I thought it was all going in a row coming back around to me. Okay. All right. Let's let's, let's just keep going that way. Let's just keep. Let's just do it that okay. way. A three-hour tour. Lightning crashes. Suzanne? The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. Is it me? Yep. If uh, not for the courage of the... Gilligan's Gilligan's crew, <laughs> something like that. Judges? <laughs> that is incorrect. Is that strike two for the audience? That's strike two. Strike two. Strike yeah. two. Okay, back to you, Adam. Can you get that line correct? If not for the courage of the fearless crew. Oh, the fearless crew. Is that it? Yep. Jane? The meno would be lost. Well done. Jeff, back to you. Let me lead you back in. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. And that's why they call it the blues. <laughs> that must be why they call it the blues. I'm sorry. It's really close. Adam, can you, that's the third strike. Adam, can you complete that line and dunk all over Jeff? Whatever. Okay, what's the next line, Jane? The ship sat ground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle. With Gilligan and Skipper too. Um, something. Uh, 
all the cats in the world, um, all your friends, and someone and a lot of people. I don't remember the OG words. Here on Gilligan. Yay! Well done, Jane. Judges, they're gonna give it to you. Well done. Okay, as foretold by the sages, that was a train wreck. But thanks for playing anyways. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so what was fun was going to be, if you guys did like nail that, I was going to have the back end of the Gilligan's Island song as well. Because everyone knows the first part, but people may not know the last end. But we didn't have to get that far. Aww. Sorry, Jane. So I'm only on the show for like 15 minutes. About that, yeah. Say goodbye to the audience, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks for helping us out, Jane. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for indulging me on that. You know, you try new things and sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. We'll see how that comes out in post. That was the highlight of my day. Okay. Well, there it is then. It worked out. <laughs> Wasn't a great day. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty bad I was just going to say that was a pretty bad day. Okay. Well, thank you, live studio audience, for your participation. Before we start round two, let's take another listen to the power struggle. hear everything that happened on that date we'll do it in two and two right or wrong we had a deal and the law says bust a deal face the wheel bust a deal and face the wheel Round two today is a game called Second Guessing. We do not have a clever jingle for this game yet. If only there was someone listening to this episode that was good with music that could help us out and send us one so we could showcase their creativity every time we play this game. Oh, well, here's hoping. Here's how we play. In this game, players must guess the title and artist to a popular Generation X song, but they only get to listen to the first second of the song. There are five songs in total, and you will be awarded one point for artist and one point for title for a total of 10 points available in the round. I'll play each clip twice. Then you need to give me your answer. Adam, going into round two, you have eight points. You're doing great. Here's a chance to pick up 10 more and really bump up your score. So much for your revenge. <laughs> hey, day's not over yet. Song one is from 1993. Wikipedia calls this an alternative rock song. So I'll play it twice. And then after the second listen, you tell me the title, okay? Let's take a listen to the one second version of it. One more time. What do you got, Adam? I feel good about this one. I'm pretty sure this band is from Chicago, where I'm originally from, and I believe that is Disarm by the Smashing Pumpkins. Hey, judges, let's see if he's correct. Well done. That is indeed Disarmed by the Smashing Pumpkins. Lead singer Billy Corgan was quoted in an interview about Disarmed saying, I never really had the guts to kill my parents, so I wrote a song about it instead. That's so Gen X. <laughs> when he wrote this song, he was at a point in his life when he was really angry at his parents for always making him feel lower than he really was. Corgan has described the song as being about my childhood and how I turned into an a-hole, quote, end quote. Song two was from 1979. Wikipedia calls it an 
art rock slash progressive rock song. Here is one second of it. One more listen. All right. I've, I'm going to go with, I think it's by Pink Floyd. Wasn't the wall from 1979 around then? I don't know. I think it's. Are you asking Pink me for Floyd. a hint? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I think it's by Pink Floyd, but I don't know exactly which song. Are you saying I don't know and losing a point? You also have your whatever lifeline. Should you want to use it? I want to save that whatever lifeline because I think there's something coming up. You're, I think your revenge, your style of revenge is a slow burner type. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vibe I get from you, Zabe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Let's go with, I want to go with Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall. Let's listen and see if you're correct. Sorry, there is nobody home. That is incorrect. That is indeed Pink Floyd, but you got the song wrong. Anyone in the live studio audience know it? Raise a hand. I heard, I saw Robert's hand go up first. Robert, what's the name of that song? Ah, uh, just like real life, I have become comfortably numb. That is correct. You picked in between two of their more famous songs, Adam. You went the wrong way on that one, but you still got a point for saying Pink Floyd. So very little damage done. Here's a fun fact about comfortably numb. It's one of Pink Floyd's most well-known songs, notable for its two guitar solos and beautiful mix of stripped-down rock guitar placed against flowing orchestral elements. It became the last song ever performed by Roger Waters, David Gilmour, Richard Wright, and Nick Mason together. There was much infighting about how this song should sound, but in the end, the band was happy with the final mix as it provided a good contrast while Gilmour said it represented, quote, the last embers of mine and Roger's inability to work collaboratively together. So that fun fact made me sad. Let's move on to song number three. <laughs> now I read it out loud. That's kind of a bummer way to end that little fun fact. Moving on to song three. The band died. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone split up and the band died. One of the best bands ever collapsed. Well done. Let's go to something a little bit more happy. Song number three was released in 1985. According to Wikipedia, this is an alternative rock, folk rock, country rock, jangle pop song, whatever the hell that means. I don't know if that information will help you or hurt you, Adam, but let's see if you can name it after listening to about one second of it. One more time. This one goes out to the one I love by R.E.M. Let's listen and see if you're correct. I'm sorry, Adam. That's the wrong song title. You got the correct band, so you get one point for the correct band. We'll throw it out to this live studio audience again. Does anyone know the name of that song? Nope. I see no one raising their hand. Anybody. Anybody nobody, at all. Nobody at all knows the name of that song? I'm surprised. <laughs> F, Mike. Nobody, Suzanne. <laughs> wow, that's a shocker. Is it? Uh, is it Driver 8? Hey, Mike, that's correct. Well done. I'm glad someone knows their REM song titles around here. Listeners, Robert was flailing his arms like he's trying to 
I don't know, put out a fire or something. I'm sure Robert knew it as well, of course. That will stoke a fire, though. That's the wrong way to put out a fire. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. In doing the research for a fun fact about this song, I thought I would find out about the deeper meanings of Driver 8 by R.E.M. Who is Driver 8? Why is he so tired? And how can I apply these lyrics to my life in a meaningful way? Nope. It's just a song about a train cruising through rural Georgia. No divining deeper motives here, but that is the kind of thing that makes it sort of sweet and beautiful in its own way. Okay, so that's only one point for song number three. Let's move on to song number four. Song number four is from 1991. The Google machine tells me that this is a funk rock, hard rock, rap rock, alternative slash indie funk metal song. So digest all that. All the songs. It's all the parts. Every single song genre is in this one. Here's one second of it. One more listen. See, I wanted, I wanted like say it wrong or ask for whatever just to make it more fun, but it's it's what I got by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. One more time, what's the name of that song? Oh, give it away. That's it. Give it away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Let's see if he's right. That is correct. It was Give It Away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well done. Sorry, Zabe, can I amend my answer? I like it's Give It Away, Give It Away. There's a B in there, I think. <laughs> give It Away. Give It Away. Give it away. <laughs> Judges, is there a B in that? They're correct. Yeah, it sounds right to me. Don't ever argue with the guy with the wall of uh, records behind him about music. <laughs> I'm also, I'm wearing a tie from this way, but everything down is all flea. Just a tube clock. And here's the fun fact for Give It Away. The group performed this on The Simpsons, an episode where Krusty hosted a comeback special. Now, boys, uh, the network has a problem with some of your lyrics. Would you mind changing them for the show? Forget you, clown. Hey, our lyrics are like our children, man. No way. Well, okay. But here where you say, what I got, you got to get and put it in you. How about just what I'd like is I'd like to hug and kiss you. Wow. That's much better. Everyone can enjoy that. And our last song of the round is song number five. It's from 1983. Wikipedia calls it a hard rock slash dance rock song. If those listening has missed all of them so far, let's see if you can get this one. One more time. You got this one, Adam? I think that at the time was like the the largest selling record of all time i'm pretty sure that is the thrillers by michael jackson so what's the name of that song again thriller let's find out if you're correct I'm sorry, that is incorrect Mm. with the song title. Of course, it's Michael Jackson. What is the name of that song, Adam? That's Beat It. That is Beat It. 
the two most popular songs on that album, I think, along with Billie Jean would be a third, I think. But I have a question. Would you have accepted Eat It by Weird Al Yankovic? I will always accept the Weird Al parody as a correct answer. So you got most, you got almost all of them correct, but the wrong titles of the songs. So you still scored plenty of points in that round, though. Here's the fun fact about Beat It. The lyrics are about life on the street and gang activity, something Michael Jackson was very detached from. He was schooled by tutors his whole life and became a star at a young age. So his interpretation of two gangs coming together to rumble was based on the movie interpretations that he'd seen, specifically West Side Story, which used gangs as musical art. Some of the first dialogue heard in the movie in a scene where some gang members have encroached on rival territory is the emphatic line, beat it. So that's where that comes from. On a personal note, when it comes to gang fights, being born in the mean streets of Newport Beach, California, like I was, you can take it from me that gangs do indeed have switchblade fights while dancing to Eddie Van Halen guitar riffs. This is definitely art imitating life, my friends. I mean, MJ was from Gary, Indiana. It's a serious place. Yeah, but I think it's pretty well removed from gang activity while he's singing his uh, pop songs with the Jackson definitely Five. By the time, definitely by the time he did Thriller. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah, maybe he got a little taste of that when he's a little kid, but not so much as when he's older. Probably scarier having to deal with his dad. <laughs> Probably. Every round, we're ending on a serious down note. This is a good trend we're going here. <laughs> Something bummed. We never played together again. I can tell you, I know what's the last one in round three, so it's really going to be a nice pick-me-up at the very end. Stick around for that. But before we play round three, let's take one more listen to The Power Struggle. hear everything that happened on that date we'll do it in two and two right or wrong we had a deal and the law says bust a deal face the wheel bust a deal and face the wheel When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Round three. Round three today is a game called Sing Your Life. Sing Your Life. Adam, other Sing Your Life, but now is your chance to shine. In this game, I will play a clip from a song, and players must sing the next lines until the judges are satisfied with their performance. Don't worry, though. If you've heard the judges sing in previous episodes, then you know that the bar is set pretty low here. There are five songs total to sing. And you'll be awarded one point for singing the next line and one bonus point for naming the band or artist who sang that song. So you're good at that part, Adam, <laughs> for a total of 10 points in the round. Nice dig. Yeah, that was well. a good, nice dig. <laughs> it's well earned. So, so if you're down on points right now, don't worry, because anything can still happen. You get plenty of clues. So when you hear the music stop, start singing, and then we'll reveal the rest of the song. And then you'll have to tell me that band or artist. Okay. We'll start with something really easy. Song one is from 1991. Sing the next line once the music stops. And now I'd like to tell you the story of Eddie and his adventures in the great wide open. Eddie 
He met a girl out there with a tattoo too. The future was wide open. He met a girl out there with a tattoo too. The future was wide open. Well done. That's two more points for you. Oh, sorry. There's one more point. Tell me the artist who sang that song. That would be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That is also correct. The song is Into the Great Wide Open. I have a question, though. Would you have docked me if I didn't add Heartbreakers? Like, were you delineating between the Tom Petty solo stuff and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as an entity? I definitely would have docked you a point for not mentioning the Heartbreakers. Absolutely. They deserve some credit, too. That's right. It's like more stay without the time, right? He's always (laughs) late. (laughs) no the judges are telling me no that's not correct (laughs) okay song number two is from Mom threw away your best porno mag. Busted. You, you gotta fight for your right to party. Now your mom threw away your best porno mag. Busted. You gotta fight for your right to party. Well done. That is the next lines. I play that song on the acoustic guitar when I play shows out. I like to play it near the end. But I will say that song, when performed on acoustic guitar by yourself and no one singing along, is the loneliest song to sing. <laughs> Contrary to what I would imagine, is, so and I, that is a disclaimer. I said we can have like I can sing the song and it will be fun if we all do it together. But if you don't sing along, it will it will be the most lonely performance that I will ever feel. And yes, I've I've sung it alone and it's lonely. I guess it'd be even more lonely if there wasn't even a crowd there. If you're just singing it by yourself somewhere sitting on a stoop. <laughs> just me and a pot bellies. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Do I need to ask you who sang that song? Uh that'd be the Beastie Boys. It's the Beastie Boys. That's two more points. Well done. In that benchmark. Where are you guys at? So I'm really impressed that you put the bust it part in, in the parentheses part, when you said, now your mom threw away your best porno mag. I was wondering if you're going to throw the busted in there. That's an important part in the song. Well done. Plays a lot into the story arc. <laughs> character development. You know, you really understand who that character is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The deeper meanings. Yeah. The busted's got to be in there. True. Uh, here's a fun fact about the song. In the liner notes to the Beastie Boys anthology, MCA explains that the song began as a goof on dumb rock songs. They cut the vocals as a joke, then went out on tour. Producer Rick Rubin added the loud drums and guitar track. Continuing with the joke, the Beastie Boys made a video where they played along with the drunken party boy image that the song had created. Soon the Beastie Boys were superstars. Thanks to their newfound base of frat boys, they set out to parody in the first place. According to MCA, they played into their new roles until they realized that they had become their own joke. They stopped performing this song when they finished touring in 1987 which is earlier than I would have imagined. Did you ever hear that Russell Simmons at one point was like, he wanted to kind of paint them as like these rebel guys. So he was like, he had both DC boys and run DMC on Def Jam. And he was like, Hey, um, 
I can't remember which one. He was like, it'd be awesome if you just went over there and punched Run. <laughs> and they were like such fun kids that he just he went over there and then they were both in the news. You know? He hit him for realsies? Yeah. Genius marketing. Oh, wow. The story, I don't know. It's that That's the story that I heard. I, it's the I, I urban legend? That. Yeah. That's right. Wow. The more you know. Okay. When the music stops, you start singing in a game called Sing Your Life. Sing Your Life. Next to song three is from 1983. Whatever. Okay, we're going to use the whatever lifeline. Whatever. So you have your choice to pick from. You must choose. But choose wisely. Adam, you've kind of got to know these people just a slight bit. Based on the reactions during the song, who would you like to call on from our live studio audience? And to be guys. fair, Robin is also in play, even though her, her camera's off. <laughs> Jeff just disappeared. <laughs> and now everyone's turning off your cameras. What's going on? I want to hear what Suzanne has to add. You're calling on Suzanne? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Suzanne, unmute yourself. I'll play the song just to make it fair. And then you take over when the music stops. In the game we call Sing Your Life. Sing your life. You ready, Suzanne? I think so. Ready as I'll ever be. Here we go. Modern love, never gonna fall for modern love, gets me to the church on time, church on time. Judges? I can't hear you, Robert. I'll give it to her already. The judges say yes. Well done. I mean, you I did say that very nice. I'm the worst singer ever. It was awesome. You did say the very next line, which was modern love. And according to the rules, the judges were satisfied. So, hey, well done. Okay, well, your whatever lifeline is used up. I think that was a good choice because it got you your point. You have chosen wisely. Can you name the artist who sang that song? That was David Bowie. You're correct. That was a David Bowie song. So here's the fun fact here. In 1987, Bowie re-recorded the song with Tina Turner for a Pepsi commercial, of all things, where he plays a scientist who creates the perfect woman, played by Tina Turner. The storyline is cribbed from the 1985 movie Weird Science. Everyone steals from everyone, just ask Kenny Loggins. He modified the drum groove for this track for the song Footloose. They still sound very similar, if you ask me. Song four is from 1988. When the music stops, you start. Five golden rings. <laughs> Judges, <laughs> I'm sorry, that is incorrect. <laughs> Let's reveal what the real rest of the lyrics are. Okay, Adam, can you salvage this question by getting the artist? 
I actually went and saw this artist play. My parents took me to see her when she was married to Emilio Estevez, of which she made reference to on stage. And then she went on to reality TV fame, Paula Abdul. That is correct. You've seen Paula Abdul live and you didn't know the next line of her like most famous song. I, I'm more of an opposite track sort of guy. <laughs> I only I only watch videos with cartoons in them. You know, only only Cat Scat or whatever his name is. Scat Scat Cat. That's right. I mean, I'm more of a deep cut sort of an Abdul fan. I got you. Yeah, anyone can sing the hits, it, right? You want the B sides. The, That's the right. famous Paula Abdul B sides. You never heard that acoustic record she put out about Emilio and her separating? <laughs> It's on par with the uh, Springsteen's Nebraska. It's totally- <laughs> Here's the fun fact. The Forever Your Girl album did not hit number one in the U.S. until its 64th week on the charts. It's the longest journey ever to the top. In the U.S., it was the best-selling single for 1989. And finally, the last song of the round of Sing Your Life. Sing your life. Song five is from the MTV Unplugged version of this song, originally released in 1991. Let's see if you can sing the rest of this song. The music stops. You start. Nice job, Adam. For those of you counting at home, that was 14 woo, hoo, 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 in the clip. Judges, do they need to get all 14 woo, hoo, in the clip to get the point? No. Okay. Well, like if they get at least four woohoos, is that good? Okay. All right. That's okay. So if you got at least four woohoos, then you're good. Award yourself the point. Who sang that song? That was Pearl Jam. That is correct. Okay. Oh. That rounds out the last bit of round three. Mm, should we say this fun fact? This is a really sad fun fact. Well, we've ended every round on kind of a down note. Let's 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 keep the trend going. Uh, looking up for fun facts for this song is impossible, given that it's based on the real life boy named Jeremy, who did indeed commit suicide in his English class in 1991. It's a sad and tragic story that you can look up for yourself if you'd like to know more about it. Sad and tragic is not our brand here on the podcast. But the song has been used to mark National Gun Violence Awareness Day, so hopefully some good can come out of this tragedy. Now that we've bummed out everyone with the details of the song, let's take one last listen to the Power Struggle question, and then we'll get your answer, Adam. Here's your last listen. Hear everything that happened on that date. We'll do it in two and two.
deal. And the law says, bust a deal, face the wheel. Bust a deal and face the wheel. Okay, Adam, what are your answers? I want to say whatever times five, because I don't feel confident in any of these. So I'm going to say all just the first thing that comes to mind, all of them. I think okay. the first thing, some kind of video game soundtrack, but I'm okay. pretty sure I'm wrong. What's I, the, the name of the, one, wait, wait, hold on. What's the name of the video game? You got to, can't just say video game. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> you can't say you I don't know me? on the show. You got to make something up. If you, if you don't have the correct answer, you got to at least give an answer. Okay. So that's Castlevania. Okay. Number one. And then number two is David Letterman. And number three is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Number four is Wheel of Fortune. And number five is Tron. Judges, how close is he? Oh, just missed it, Adam. I'm sorry. Those are not the correct answers. Very close, though. So that means we're going to turn this over to the listeners to see if they can get it correct and claim their prize package. To enter for a chance to claim that generous prize package, you can join our newsletter, and there will be a place there for you to send your answers into the questions. All correct entries will be put into a drawing to win the prize package. Details on how to join the newsletter can be found in the show notes for this episode. Or you can contact the show directly at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. And I promise to write you back and give you all the details. Good luck. The prize package this episode includes a handsome certificate with your name on it, signifying that you are doing your part to save Gen X from fading into oblivion, as well as your name going in our Gen X yearbook in our brand new website. Next is perhaps the best item in the prize package which is a coupon offer to get a free McRib sandwich when you purchase one at a regular price. This offer is only valid at participating McDonald's located in upstate South Carolina, Western North Carolina, and Northeast Georgia. And finally, we'll send you your choice of any Who Will Save Generation X t-shirt design from our merch store. Adam, first, thank you so much for lending your time and talents to the podcast. Did you have a good time on the show today? Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Adam, do you have a message for those listening that uh, you beat here today? Well, you know, it's hard to lose. I understand that. I'm not really used to it. So um, I would just assume that um, most of you guys lost. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Adam, one last thing. Is there anything you'd like to plug or any shout outs you'd like to give before we hand out the ranks for the quiz? Sure. If you're into like Americana and songwriter music then i'd love for you to check out the music that i write and then in the future when your kids are on who will save generation z podcast maybe there'll be questions about uh some of those obscure song lyrics from a an unknown singer songwriter from just outside of pittsburgh pennsylvania so if you're interested in uh building your trivial knowledge of a trivial songwriter outside of pittsburgh pennsylvania then i hope you listen to my music wherever you stream your music Nice. We'll post a link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy for people to come find you, Adam. That'd be great. Thank you. All right, everybody. Do you remember your score? There were 30 points available, but let's go and see how well you did and get the grades and the ranks. If you're playing against our special guest and scored less than 23 points, then you let this dude beat you and you might want to go back and brush up on your memories of your youth. And just on a personal note, if you let Adam beat you, then you're in good company because he beat me as well. And uh, the only time we played against one another. If you're playing solo, we are using the Kevin Smith Gen X classic movie Clerks scoring system for grading the quiz today. Noise, 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 smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers, pack our asthma, good man. Time to kick back, drink some beers and smoke some weed. 
A score of 27 to 30 points is the grade of an A and it earns you the rank of Jay and Silent Bob, of course. Jay Muse and Kevin Smith play these two characters and steal every scene they're in. Silent Bob gives his only lines in the flick to deliver us a Masters of the Universe style moral at the end of the movie and tells us that there are more important things to a relationship than just good looks. You know, there's a million fine looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Thanks, Silent Bill. I'd play a clip here from Jay as well, but this is a family show and as such, almost none of his dialogue can be played on the podcast. Sorry. Congrats on your A. You're doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. A score of 24 to 26 points. I just missed a B. Is enough for a B and the rank of Veronica. Dante's girlfriend is the most loyal, dependable, and generous character in the movie. Or at least there are 37 dudes in the movie that think so. More on that in a minute. Veronica is kind enough to fix Dante's flat tire, save Dante from angry cigarette-wielding mob, and bring him lasagna at work even when he doesn't deserve it. For that, she's a solid B. Don't you have jobs to go to? Get out of here. Go commute. You gotta be ashamed of yourselves. Bunch of easily led automatons. Try thinking for yourselves before you pelt an innocent man with cigarettes. A score of 21 to 23 points is enough for a C, and that earns you the rank of Dante and Randall. These are the two central characters in the movie, but they're both just a mess in their lives. All they do is work low-paying jobs, hang out with their buddies, living in the past while trading trivial knowledge about Star Wars all day. The only way it could get more pathetic is if they turned it into a podcast. Get a life, losers. And for that, we have to rank them a C on this quiz. What did you like better? Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back? Empire. Blasphemy. Empire had the better ending. I mean, Luke gets his hand cut off, finds out Vader's his father, a hand gets frozen, take away by Boba Fett. It ends on such a down note. I mean, that's what life is, a series of down endings. All Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. Yeah, that maybe we should call this episode a series of down endings because that's kind of how we ended each round. That's perfect. A score of 18 to 20 points is enough for a D, and that can only be the number 37, or at least Dante's reaction to the number 37. Look, if you know, you know. Dante's immature response to his girlfriend's past was not a complete failure because it gave one of the best laugh lines in the movie, but it was indeed pretty close. Hey, try not to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot. Hey, hey, you, get back here. And finally, if you scored 17 or less, well, that's a failing grade, I'm afraid. And along with it, the rank of customers from the movie Clerks. For many, the thing that made Clerks so relatable was how cathartic it was for anyone who ever worked at a customer service-based job before. The rogues gallery of loser customers was on full display in the film. From the guy looking for a perfect carton of eggs, the dude who gets his hand stuck in a can of Pringles, people asking how much something costs while standing right in front of a price sign, to the guy who died happy in the bathroom, with an adult magazine. This job would be great if it wasn't for the f***ing customers. Those of us who have held these kind of jobs know how awful customers can be, and the ridicule they receive in the movie is well-earned, as is this grade of an F for not getting more than 17 points in the quiz, frankly. I'm sure you'll do better in the next episode, and this was just not your day. I'm not even supposed to be here today! We hope you've enjoyed playing along this episode of The Home Game, and we'll post your score in the Facebook group page. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have a Patreon account set up for those who would like to take advantage of the special offers available for becoming a contributor. Or if you just want to send some love and appreciation for what we're trying to do here, we also offer our Venmo account, and you can send that to Who Will Save Gen X. Detailed information is available in the show notes for both of these ways to send the show a little bit of love. If you have questions, comments, a shout out, or would like to sign up to become a guest on either The Home Game or regular version of the game show, you can email me at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and invite you to become a friend of the show. 
Well, that's it for this edition of The Home Game. Once again, I'd like to thank my special guests for being on the show, as well as all of you listening, wherever you are. Also, a big thanks to our live studio audience for taking the time to join us. We'll be back with our regular version of the podcast in the next episode, where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Okay, guys. Let's unmute and go through the scores. Who got who got the high score? Or did once again nobody keep track of their points? <laughs> <laughs> I was keeping track until the Gilligans and then my boat capsized and all the historical records were lost. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't bother keeping score after that. <laughs> okay, so you beat Jeff, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <Woo-hoo. laughs> By default, that's an asterisk. Yeah. Yeah. Suzanne, how many points do you get? Well, that's questionable because. I would not have given myself the point. Robert's too generous to say, give it to me for Bowling for Modern Love. So I would not have given myself a point. So I don't give myself a point. But having said that, I still got a 28. So I got an A. Oh, well done. Nice job. So so humble, Suzanne. So humble. (laughs) So would have got a perfect score if not for... I miss Ariane. I mean, Ariane yeah, is not my thing. I'm going to dock so myself a few Ariane. points and still get the highest grade. So <laughs> that's a good play. That's smart. That's smart, Suzanne. That's well done. Well, it's music. Like, I, I know music. Robin, what'd you get? Millennial? Well, I got a 16, and I definitely gave myself a point for Modern Love. So, Suzanne, <laughs> you should not feel bad about that. <laughs> and Robin wrote most of the questions. Adam, Ace, what'd you get? I think I got zero. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? Come on. Bobo the Great, thanks for making it, man. I think you missed a couple of early questions, but were you able to kind of keep track of the score? Yeah, I missed most of it, I think. Uh, Not well. Uh, I forgot how numbers worked for a while. Um, Okay. And I didn't know most of the song lyrics. So I I knew groups okay, singers, but Uh lyrics not so much. Mike Gibbs. I came on strong. I got seven points on that last round. Uh I got 14 total. (laughs) Tyler probably got to ace it even though it wasn't on the Tyler. On the you missed part of the field. show, but we just got to you in the line. Oh, here I, I am. Ask me the question. <laughs> uh, how are you doing on the, on the quiz? Did you get close? I was doing good on the first couple questions before I had to get off. I yeah. guess the 1963, uh, that was out of, I'm like, well, I think it's 1963. Well, that was without the multiple choice. Okay. Well done. And then what was the other question? Oh, the, the babysitter one I got the bus. Thing. So the two you heard, you got a, you got an ace. Yeah, I was one hundred percent when I got off the call. Rob, what'd you get? I'm gonna sound like an ass for this, but uh, I got a thirty. <laughs> I, I got a perfect score. Oh yeah, you're right. You do sound like an ass. <laughs> yeah, but that, I just you just been a little bitch tonight, haven't you? You, really have. you know I love you, Robert. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.